0: But what I want you to know, and you wouldn't know this, but the, what was shared prophetically just a few moments ago captured some of the same themes we prayed this morning together before this meeting. And so we're, we're, we're kind of giddy over here, like, oh, did you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> um, one spirit, right? Amen. Yes. And the spirit works and uh, moves in some wonderful ways. So thank you for using your gifts today yes. And, yes. and hear our encouragement continue to use them for the edification of this church. God providentially sat me at a lunch table yesterday, and there's a a sister in the church who looked at me and said, I've got some ideas about Patrick and his penalty. Oh, you're right here. Raise your hand. You know who this is, right? Okay, she gave me like two pages. Of, uh, <laughs> I uh, I won't read every one of them. I I'd love to read every one of them. I'm just thinking of time. Um, so um, freeze his jumper. I said, "What does that mean?" She goes, "Stick it in a pan and put it in the freezer." And, and then I don't know. I guess you wear it after that. I don't I don't know how that happens. All right. Sit in the timeout section and think about what you have done. <laughs> I like this one, shoes up the flagpole. That's, that's a good one, yeah. And then uh, let me just give you a couple more, just that um, you would co- record four messages, each one begging for forgiveness for me. <laughs> you would send them once a week, and then we would play them at Covenant Fellowship before <laughs> the entire congregation. And then one other one, um, instead of stoning you, there will be a shooing. So I'm going to leave it to you to decide which one. All I'm asking is that you record it for us and send it back over to the States. All right? All right. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. And while you're turning there, I wanted to, I want just to take a moment and, and, and thank you for your partnership with Sovereign Grace. One of the reasons I wanted to come back was to personally thank you again, to look you in the eye and thank you for being a part of Sovereign Grace. And your, um, this, this um, expression of appreciation is not just general. I want to tell you specifically how Sovereign Grace Church of Sydney is making a massive, and I'm not overstating that with using that term, a massive impact on our partnership in Sovereign Grace. Uh, first of all, just your gospel presence here in Sydney, and your your faithfulness to preach the gospel and to apply the gospel and to proclaim the gospel and to share the gospel. Uh, that strengthens us as a family of churches. And then your your heart and your commitment and your sacrifice to send out Riley and his team to 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 send out twenty eight people uh, to Parramatta to see the gospel go there is a wonderful expression of your heart for. The gospel of Jesus Christ and our entire family of churches is praying for you and praying for that church for that church plant um, and then the way that you pray for Dave and you encourage Dave as he mentioned he gives about 40 percent of his time serving sovereign grace as our director of merging nations and Dave is doing just an outstanding job um, he's exceeded my expectations of what and I had high expectations of what he would do, and he is making a massive impact. He mentioned this yesterday. Because of Dave, we are involved in 27 countries with over 300 churches, and if you add up members, that's like over 58,000 people that somehow we're reaching and interacting with who have some interest in sovereign grace, and Dave is the primary reason uh, as, to, as to why that's happening. But he can't do that without a local church. And when you talk to Dave, he and I, we... We's, we have a Zoom meeting probably about every six weeks, and he's always talking about you. You should know that even though he's doing much and he travels some for Sovereign Grace, he does that carrying you on his heart because he, he realizes, and I realize, that without you, he couldn't do what he's doing. And because you're the church that you are, um, the, the prophetic word that Dan had about you planting churches here, from here to other parts of Asia, the Lord's going to do that, we believe because you're that kind of people. You're, the, you're, you're unique as a church, and um, that's just going to strengthen us as a family of churches. So thank you, thank you, thank you for the impact you're having on our family of churches. Um, you, 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 it's significant, and I want you to know that. Okay, Ephesians chapter 5. We've had a wonderful weekend, haven't we? God's been very, very good to us, and um, I, I think just even this weekend is another expression of the gospel partnership that we share. Dave mentioned that earlier. Uh, we know from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, one of the verses we looked at over the weekend, that the Spirit of God empowers the gifts of the Spirit. Those prophetic words that were shared this morning were empowered by the Spirit of God. Amen. And so as we leave this retreat, we leave dependent upon the ongoing work of the Spirit, and for Him to empower our gifts as you gather next Sunday and prophetic words are shared. They need to be done in the power of the Spirit. And so we're going to look basically at one verse in Ephesians 5 this morning. We're going to read verses 15 through 21, but really focus on verse 18, because in verse 18 we find that God exhorts us, even commands us, to be people who are filled with the Spirit. And that command is given in part because it meets a need that we have to be filled and to be empowered by the Spirit. title of my message is Be Filled with the Spirit. And this is Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 21. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence, for Christ. May God bless the preaching of his word. Amen. It was about a year ago that a few of the folks from the prophecy team traveled with me to Denver, Colorado. One of those, one of those men was Phil Serenceron who couldn't make this trip. And we were in the Denver airport. We had got off the plane, and we made our way from the gate. We had to catch a, a tram or a train out to another building where the baggage claim was. And as we're boarding this train, there was this voice that came over the intercom that was giving this command. Doors are about to close. Stay clear of the doors. They are about to close. But my friend Phil ignored that command, (laughs) and he walked into the train, and the doors closed, and it caught his suitcase in the doors. Now, he just didn't have any suitcase. He had bar- borrowed his daughter's, like, pink Barbie suitcase. So that, that sort of added to all the dilemma. So he is stuck in, and the train is full of people, and, and he's, got his, he's got his suitcase stuck in the door, and then this voice comes on and says, someone has impeded the doors. It's almost like they were saying, see that bad man right there? He disobeyed my command, and now all of you have to Wait because of him (laughs) Phil ignored a command that was for his good i tell you that story because if we don't view commands as good when followed that meet a need and phil had a need he was going to be sawn in two right (laughs) if we don't view commands as good and follow them because they meet a need we can disregard those commands be filled with the Spirit here in verse 18 is a command that is not to be disregarded. We know it's a command because the, the the language there in verse 18 is written in the imperative mood, meaning that it is a command that God has given us. And He's given us this command because we have a need to be filled with the Spirit. Uh, at our conversion, and we as we talked about this weekend. When we are born again, we are indwelt with the Spirit of God. We saw that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. But it's clear from this verse that even though we are indwelt with the Spirit, God commands us to be people who are filled with the Spirit. And we know this because not only is this language written in the imperative mood, it's written in the present tense mood as well. Be filled with the Spirit. In other words, for the believer... Being filled with the Spirit is not a one-time event, but an ongoing command and need that we have in our lives. Richard Gaffin says this, This command, meaning verse 18, is relevant to all believers throughout the whole of their lives. No believer may presume to have experienced a definitive filling of the Spirit so that the command of verse 18 no longer applies. Short of death or the Lord's return, it continues in effect for every believer. And by the way, Richard Gaffin is a cessationist. So we can agree with him on that point, right? (laughs) That's why I quoted him. I'm sure he likes that. (laughs) We are commanded by God to be filled with the Spirit often and daily and continuously because it is a good command. That meets our need. And so as we end this retreat, let me ask you: Are you aware of that need? Are you aware of your need, brothers and sisters, to be filled with the Spirit? And this command, with this command in view, then I want us to answer three questions. All right, number one, first question: why do we need to be filled with the Spirit? Question number two: what is the effect of being filled with the Spirit? And number three, how? May we be filled with the Spirit. So let's look at the first question. Why do we need to be filled with the Spirit? So Even though the Spirit does dwell within us as believers, as as we, we see here in verse 18, we are regularly to be filled with the Spirit, in part to meet a need that we have. Let's just step back and look at the entire letter uh, to the Ephesians. If you study the letter to Ephesians, you'll find there are 12 separate references to the person and work of the Holy Spirit contained in this letter. Um, that all really, as the Spirit works, meets a need that we have as believers. Let me just give you a few examples. The first one Dave mentioned over the weekend, the, the presence of the Spirit in our lives meets a need of, for us of having a guarantee of our internal inheritance until we acquire possession of it, chapter one, verse 13. isn't it good to have that guarantee? It meets that kind of need. Yeah. It is a spirit that gives us wisdom, meeting our daily need for God's wisdom, when we ask for God for God's wisdom in prayer, chapter one, verse 17. It is in Christ that we are being built together as a diverse people in unity as a dwelling place for God by or in the Holy Spirit. Chapter 2, verse 22. It is through the, res- the Spirit that we receive power when we, when we pray for God's power that meets our need to grasp the height and the length and the width and the depth of God's love for us. We need that kind of power. And as we've seen over the weekend, we need power to use our spiritual gifts. We are, we are to pray in the Spirit at all times so that we can continue to persevere in boldly proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19. See, all those brief, those are very quick, those references to the Spirit tell us that God gives us this good command to be filled with the Spirit to meet our finite needs as human beings. That's why this command is there. So let me ask you again. Are you aware of your need? Your need to be filled with the Spirit. So with the scope of this entire letter in view, let's now focus our question to Ephesians 5. Why do we need to be filled by the Spirit? Did you note that this this command to be filled with the Spirit is, is contrasted with being drunk with wine? Do you see that there in verse 18? Look at it again. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. What that verse is saying is either we are being influenced by wine or we are being influenced by the Spirit. Sam Storm says it this way, to be filled with the Spirit is to come under progressively more intense and intimate influence of the Spirit. So we are to be people who are regularly filled with the Spirit because we have this ongoing need to be influenced by the Spirit in the the way that we live our lives. The influence of the Spirit in our lives is not just some ecstatic event that that happens. Rather, the context tells us that the influence is more moral in nature, resulting in, in spiritual and relational fruit. That's the effect of being filled with the Spirit. Spiritual fruit in the sense that the Spirit influences us and empowers us to be imitators of God, chapter 5, verse 1. To to walk in love, chapter 5, verse 2. And to walk not as unwise, but as wise as we navigate this life, chapter 5, verse 15. The Spirit of God works in a way that meets our need for us to live a godly life and to live in a way that pleases God. But, it, but the Spirit also produces relational fruit. Relational fruit in the sense that when we are filled with the Spirit, we address one another with, with songs and hymns and spiritual songs, chapter 5, verse 19. And then we are, we are then even willing to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, which is a beautiful thing, chapter 5, verse 21. In other words, we are to be a people whose lives are so given over to the Spirit that the influence of the Spirit is to be as obvious as someone who has drank too much wine. That's what he's saying there. And can I just, can I just say, you as a church are doing that so well. Amen. You are. As we've just gotten to know you and spent time with you, It's clear that the Spirit is at work in your lives. You exude joy. There's a lot of laughter when you're together. It's clear that you love one another. It's clear that you you have conversation and want to bring godly wisdom. Just from our short time here, we would say you are a Spirit-filled church because you see spiritual and relational fruit. So keep doing what you're doing and be people who are filled with the Spirit. Now now note there in verse 18 that Paul doesn't say, be full, he doesn't doesn't use that term, be full of the Spirit, as though one, one could be full of the Spirit, as one is full of wine. Rather, he says, be filled with the Spirit, and the emphasis then is upon being filled to the full of the Spirit's presence. And keep in mind, Paul had just prayed in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19, for the Ephesians in this way that they might be filled with all the fullness of God. So that prayer is echoing in their ears as they get to chapter 5. In other words, Paul wants the Ephesians to be filled up with God himself. That's what he's saying here. So if you're not aware of your need to be filled with the Spirit, consider this, consider the infinite infiniteness of God. Consider how unsearchable he is for us as finite beings. Consider that he alone is unfathomable. Brothers and sisters, we will spend eternity seeing new revelations of God because he is that infinite. So in light of who God is, right? In light of who God is, it's no wonder that we as God's people need to be filled daily if we are going to be people filled with God himself. A.M. Stibbs and J.I. Packer, they use this helpful analogy, I I find. They say this, Now imagine a doctor telling a patient that he's not using his lungs properly and that he needs to learn to breathe more deeply. If the patient were like some seekers after the fullness of the Spirit, his immediate reaction would be ask the doctor to produce his lung pump and properly fill up his lungs with air for him and then then there. Just, Just get it done. But the doctor's prescription would be daily breathing exercises by which he would himself learn to take in more air and thus gradually increase his capacity for intake. Something similar applies to the Christian's experience of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The extent to which the Spirit actually penetrates and possesses every moment of our time, every corner of our lives, and every sphere of our thought and activity is always capable of enlargement. Why do we need to be filled with the Spirit? Because we want to be people where the Spirit possesses every moment of our lives, every aspect of our lives. So that we can benefit from the Spirit's influence and be filled with the fullness of God. and For that reason, we will never be completely filled with the fullness of the Spirit. So daily, we must ask for the Spirit's filling. Question two, what is the effect of being filled with the Spirit? Even though we we are filled with the Spirit individually, we see here in verse 19, there's actually a corporate effect there's a there's an effect upon the entire church that we see here in verses nineteen through twenty so let's actually let's read verses eighteen through twenty one again and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit, addressing who one another, note the one another right, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart giving thanks always for everything to God the father in the name of our lord jesus christ submitting here's another to one another submitting to one another out of reverence for christ so we see a community of believers that is so filled with the spirit that they address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs partly That's partly a reference to the teaching of Scripture. It's not just singing alone. There's a reference there to a church that gathers and is eager to receive the preaching of His Word. When you see that, that you see a Spirit-filled church. It's a community that sings wholeheartedly to God. And by the way, you are a church who does that very well. You sing wholeheartedly to God. It's a group of people that are known for their gratitude. They're known for their gratitude for all, the thing, for all things at all times, which is why, Glenn, I'm so glad you led us in that last th- song and said, let's thank God. Because that's, that's an expression of being a spirit-filled people, expressing gratitude. And it's a, it's a community of people that is marked by mutual submission to one another out of reverence for Christ, rather than being people who are demanding of one another. That's what you see in the world, right? People are demanding of one another. And when they walk into a community of believers who submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, that line shines in that darkness and begins to draw people to Christ. So you see the point there in in the text is just as it's obvious that a person has drunk way too much wine in the way they conduct themselves, a community of believers is obviously filled with the Spirit by the way they conduct themselves and live their lives together and how they relate to one another and relate to God. Gordon Fee says, Here then is the ultimate imperative in the Pauline corpus. God's people so filled with the Spirit's own presence that they come to know God in all His fullness and reflect, in, uh, and reflect such in the way they live in relationship to one another and to God Himself. That's that is a need that we have. And your need as a church to live a compelling lives together in unity and joy and service and gratitude is met with this command to be filled. And God fills you with his spirit who daily gives you power and you produce relational and spiritual fruit. All right, third and last question. How may we be filled with the spirit? How may we be filled with the Spirit? I, let me just give you four recommendations. Four recommendations for how to be filled with the Spirit. Here's the first recommendation. Pursue living a godly life. Pursue living a holy life. Here's why I say that. Here in, in Ephesians in chapter 4, that, that chapter ends by telling us that that sin, and specific kinds of sin, actually does this. It grieves the Spirit of God. Look with me at chapter 4, verses 26 through 32. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that they may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths as God forgave you. Anger and corrupting talk and slander, whether those are words that you speak or words that you type online, by the way, those grieve the Spirit of God. That's what the text says. And so when, when we purpose through the Spirit's power to use our words to build others up, to, to give grace to those who hear, we, we just position ourselves to be filled with the Spirit. You see, when, when we are speaking with bitterness and slander and anger, we are actually opposing the work of the Spirit in our lives, as we know in Ephesians 4, is to put off the old self and to put on the new. But when we are, through the Spirit's power, working to put on the new, especially in the way that we use our words We are positioned then to be filled with the Spirit. Second recommendation that I have is pray for the filling of the Spirit. Uh, Keep in mind, what's what's unique, one of the things about this letter, is that two of Paul's prayers are recorded here in Ephesians. The first prayer you find in chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. It's a a prayer uh, that references the Spirit, and it's a prayer uh, in part where Paul prays that God would give the Ephesians wisdom. And then you find the second prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, where Paul prays for power, and in part, so not so they can live a godly life, but they would know the love that God has for them. And so we see that this, this, te- this, this letter contains prayer. And so when he says, be filled with the Spirit, it seems, seems rather obvious, doesn't it, that we are to pray for the Spirit. Also note this, that when the disciples asked Jesus, To teach them how to pray in Luke chapter 11, you know the Lord's Prayer, who who taught us to to pray that we we would pray that he would give us our daily bread, that he would keep us from temptation. And after teaching the Lord's Prayer in chapter 11, Jesus goes on and says this in Luke chapter 11 verse 13, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the holy spirit to those who ask him in other words jesus taught us that we are to ask the father to give us and to fill us to give us the spirit and to fill us with the spirit and in addition to the context of luke chapter 11 that that teaches it luke chapter 11 also teaches this it teaches us to be persistent in prayer to, to be people who repeatedly and persistently ask the Father to give the Spirit and to fill us with the Spirit's power. Now I, I don't know about you. I, I, I think every day and especially since being the executive director of Sovereign Grace, I think every day I find myself in situations, quite frankly, I don't know what to do. I don't. And those moments they we can respond to them a couple of different ways. We can, we can coil back in fear, or we can take our, our perplexities and turn them into passionate prayers. When, when you're in places where you don't know what to do, when you can't see what God is doing, when when you don't seem to have the wisdom to help your child, or to deal with a coworker at work, those are prayer moments for you. And in that moment, simply pray, just stop and say, fill me with your spirit, Lord. And grant me wisdom, and grant me help, and grant me power. And I can't tell you how many times, even very quickly, the Lord has answered those prayers for me. And I've thought of things I know I would never have thought of on my own. Isn't that the Father's love? And isn't that the Father's care? That's a good gift, as Jesus taught us in the giving the Spirit. So when it comes to those perplexing moments, turn them into passionate prayers. And we heard this morning a prophetic word about you might still be somewhat reluctant about using your spiritual gifts. You're you're helped by this weekend. You've seen it. You've been taught, but there's still a little bit of apprehension. Turn your apprehension into prayers for the Spirit, for the Spirit to fill you and to give you power. You see, all that we have enjoyed this weekend, it is God's doing. Amen. That's just the reality. We will drive home and we will have conversations and what we'll be talking about is how good God was to us and how much bigger he is to us. Why? Because all that happened here was not us. Amen. So much appreciated. This That word that says it's not about you. It's so true. God has been good to us and he's answered our prayers. Because he's empowered our gifts. Brothers and sisters, our response to this command to be filled with the Spirit must be marked by persistent and desperate prayers. Okay, third recommendation. Walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. You, you know that language there in Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. Uh, excuse me, verse 25, where Paul says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. You, you know that verse. The context there. In that section of Galatians 5 is one where Paul says that we walk by the Spirit, not gratifying the desires of our sinful flesh, verse 16. Rather, we produce the fruit of the Spirit, and you're familiar with the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control by the Spirit's work in our lives. So one of the ways we walk by the Spirit is, again, to pursue a holy life, but then Paul wraps up that chapter in Galatians 5 by saying, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Meaning that we are to be a people who are open to the Spirit's leading and to the Spirit's prompting. And for Him to direct our lives maybe in ways that we haven't even planned. And we must be people who are open. We, we can't cling so closely to our preferences and our schedules, but we must be open to the Spirit's promptings, and to the spontaneous and the unplanned. Here's here's my guess that as you send testimonies to Dave and that you'll rejoice over those as a church, my guess is many of those are unplanned. Because what we experienced this weekend, even in praying for you last night, that's not planned. That's just the Lord coming in the moment, meeting you in your need and encouraging you. Be people who live that way. Can I I just say this? Being people who are led by the Spirit, that's an exciting life. Your life has an adventure to it because you're not so sure all that God's going to do, but you want Him to do it, right? And you anticipate the Spirit's work. So walk by the Spirit. Last recommendation, thirst for Jesus. Mm. That's a sweet recommendation. Thirst for Jesus. In the Gospel of John, we find this invitation given to the thirsty to come to Jesus and to drink. John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, what are we to do with it? Let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow Rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Meaning, he had died and rose again and and ascended. Obviously these verses point to the day of Pentecost, where after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension, The Spirit is given, right? The Spirit is poured out in the upper room in Acts chapter 2. That unique day in redemptive history when Joel chapter 2 verses 28 and 29 is fulfilled. It's a wonderful day in redemptive history. And even though the Pentecost is a unique redemptive historic event, the principle still applies here. The principle is one that we are to be people who thirst for Jesus, And that as we thirst for Jesus, He meets our need by pouring out His Spirit and filling us with His Spirit. See, the more we are aware of our thirst, and I pray we all are more aware of our thirst, the more we will be aware of our need of this command that meets this need we have to be filled with the Spirit. Let let us be people, brothers and sisters, who continue to thirst for Jesus to drink much from Jesus, and to be people who are filled with the Spirit. Let me just close with this. This good command here in verse 18 is given to us because we have a need. We have a need for the Spirit's presence and for the Spirit's influence and for the Spirit's power and for the Spirit's help and for the Spirit's leading. Are you aware of your need? If I could just, um, for are most of the youth sitting right here? Oh, good, that's convenient. <laughs> Any other? They're all right here. Oh, oh, sorry. Thank you, Lydia, for your help. Okay. There's a. Oh, sorry, guys. Um, can I look this way? And ca- I'll kind of do this. All right. I believe that um, the Lord's going to uniquely work in your generation. And I believe you're going to be spirit filled people. And uh, what's going to be partly radical about your lives is not just spirit filled, but spirit led. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're thinking about your future, and you think about what's going to happen. That's good. You should think about those things and talk with your parents and pray but be men and women who long to be led by the Spirit and for the Spirit to do what you haven't planned. In fact, I I just want to end this message by praying for you. And then we'll sing, okay, Glenn? So if if you guys could stand. Uh, All the youth. Ah, one over here too, I'm sorry. Didn't see you. All right. Lord, we thank you for the youth in this church. And Lord, we ask now that you would draw near to them. For those who are Christians, those who have given their life to Christ. We pray for a fresh filling of the Spirit of God. And we pray that this filling of the Spirit would not just be today but it would be an event that occurs every day for the rest of their lives. We pray for them and we ask, God, that you would make these men and women who who pursue holy living. May these be men and women who thirst for Christ. But may these be men and women who just want to give their lives to following Him. And may that be a Spirit-led time. May their lives be a Spirit-led adventure. Holy Spirit, direct them. Holy Spirit, empower them. We pray that you would empower their gifts, Lord, and that one of the effects of this retreat is the youth of this church would use the gifts to strengthen and to edify this church. Do that, Lord, in only the way you can do it for the glory of your great name. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.